figure out what it is that you are passionate about, you are good at, even if you don't feel like you're the expert, like let you in behind the curtain, be authentic, whatever word you want to use here. I don't feel like I'm the best marketer. Like I look at some of these other guys and I'm like, you blew my mind. That's something I've never done before. I know nothing about that. I'm not the expert, but I know what I know. Welcome to Rep Your Brand a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around and the work they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today our guest is Jason Vanna, founder at Shift Marketing and someone that I have followed for quite a bit on LinkedIn and actually more recently on Twitter as well. So Jason, pumped to have you. Hey, I'm really excited to be here, Nick. Awesome. So some people actually, probably a lot of people know who you are, but for those of you people listening, you know, that don't know, give a quick, you know, 60 second breakdown of, of who you are. Yeah. So I've been in marketing for about 18 years now. I work as the marketing director at a company called Fusion Tech, where we manufacture food processing equipment. So, you know, the most exciting marketing and branding. And then I run Shift Marketing, which is kind of the agency that I started to help B2B companies. I also live in the Midwest, right in West Central Illinois with my dog, Buster, who is the biggest baby of a pit bull you'll ever meet. Most people on LinkedIn know me as Sassy Jason, so I have to mention Sassy Jason for all of them that are going to go crazy and listen to this podcast just because Sassy Jason was on it. So yeah, that's the 60 second version of this guy right here. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to jump in and kind of, a lot of this conversation is going to be around pods, but I'm going to kind of jump in and we've talked about it in the past, pods or engagement groups as people like to call them. I know you were in one early on, now you're not. You posted on LinkedIn recently that basically pods are here to feed your dopamine addiction. So first off, for people listening, because surprisingly, when I even commented on your post, like people don't know what pods are. So like, can you tell people what a pod is? So a pod is at the basic core is a group of people who just decide and agree to engage on each other's content, help it have more engagement and more boost in the algorithm. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you like their content or that you agree with it, but you engage on it so you get that automatic boost right at the start. So your content supposedly will do better throughout the day and, and longer term. Got it. Awesome. And so before joining a pod, how was your content performing? So when I joined the pod, it was pretty early in my kind of my LinkedIn life or career, however, you, whatever word you want to use there. And the reason I did it was because I started getting regular on LinkedIn and realized like my content was getting five likes, 10 likes. Everyone understands that when you start out, you get very little engagement. And what happened was I started engaging on the content of a guy who he's not even on LinkedIn anymore. And a lot of people were engaging and he had this like LinkedIn course to help you learn how to do LinkedIn better. And so I took it, it was like just a quick email course. And at the end it was like, Hey, if you really want to boost it, join this group and we'll help you see your content grow. And naive, like I had been on LinkedIn for maybe two weeks. I didn't even know what a pod was at that time. I just thought like, this was normal. This is how you do this. So I got on, joined the pod and I wouldn't necessarily say my content took off, but it definitely saw a little bit of, you know, when you go from five likes per post and now you're getting 10 to 15, it feels like a massive boost, but it really wasn't at the start. But yeah, I mean, that's basically, it was right away for me. I got sucked in right away, thought it was just how you did LinkedIn. So I jumped in and did it. And so you kind of brought up an interesting point around like, you know, I guess the metrics that you saw from it, 
Did you ever get any crazy results from it? Because I have thoughts and I see these people get 800, 900 reactions and I, I always question it, but. Yeah, I never really did. So I was in that pod for maybe a little bit and then I had joined, I'd been in two pods. I joined another one and the other one saw a little bit more of a boost for me just because there was more people and more people that were active, but I never really saw my content take off like the people you see that get 800 or, or whatever that are in pods. Mine never really did that. And, and I think some of it was I didn't really have the foundation of my own audience first when I joined a pod. So a lot of the engagement at the start was solely on kind of that pod engagement. And so it took me a while to start generating an actual audience that would supplementing it, get it higher. But I never saw that. Like I see people that are like, oh yeah, I get 800 likes and it's because of my pod. And I'm like, are you in like 30 of them? Because I was in like two and I never saw my content do that. Yeah. You know, I always sidetrack, but like, I don't know, there's people that like, I see the engagement and the stuff that they get. I know it's all vanity metrics, but like no one admits to it. So I always like in the back of my head, like, I'm just like, hmm, I wonder if you're in a pod. Like, I feel like a lot of these big names, although they say they're not in one, I think there's definitely like, like a Chris Walker. He's definitely not in one. He's just built his audience himself. But like, then there's some other people. I won't drop names because I'll do that privately to you. But <laughs> there's I was going to say, I know some big names because I was in a pod with some of those big names. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's so crazy to me. When did you decide like, hey, this pod thing isn't for me or like what kind of event made you leave the pod? For me, it was a little bit of a few things. So I started realizing that a lot of the content that I was engaging with through the pod, I never would have engaged with if I wasn't in the pod. Like some of it was good. And some of the people that I met in there have become friends and, and I still somewhat engage on their content. But I would say 90% of it was like, I didn't even like the content. Like if I saw it in my feed, I wouldn't have liked it. I wouldn't have commented on it. And it's like, why am I doing this? And then what I found was like, I wasn't getting the organic reach that I thought I should be getting. And I wasn't getting the leads coming in for my business that I knew I should be. Cause I've been, I've been a content marketer for 18 years. So I know how content works and I know how to work a platform to generate leads. And I was like, this is LinkedIn. It's a B2B platform, which is what I do. And I'm not generating leads. And so as I started researching and testing some stuff in the algorithm, so there was a time where I was like, okay, I'm going to take two to three weeks out of the pod and do this on my own. Outside the pod, when I did that, my engagement spiked. And I saw in those three weeks, I saw a massive amount of leads come in. And I was like, why am I doing a pod? <laughs> And I started noticing the engagement on my posts where a lot of the, hey, good job, or you're awesome, and this is great. And I was like, just in myself, I'd rather go deeper than wide. So even in my own relationships, like I'd rather have a small group of people that know me than have a massive audience and no one really knows who I am. And so even on LinkedIn, it was like, I hate these comments. I hate responding to these comments because like, you're awesome. Thanks. Like you don't know if I'm awesome. You just like the post because you had to like a post. And I started realizing like, this isn't even me. I am more of a teacher style. I like helping people. And I was like, what I see now is people will ask questions in my comments and they'll bring up alternate viewpoints and we'll actually have a conversation. I'm like, this is what my content should be. Not this great post. Or some of them got so lazy that they would just like use emojis and even some of them in there, this is what killed me. They hired VAs to do all their engagement for them. They weren't even the ones engaging on my post. They hired someone at a cheaper rate to go through and just like and leave an emoji on everyone's content in that pod. And I was like, I don't want this crap. Like, this is not, this isn't me personally. Like, this just feels dirty. Like I got to the point where I'm like, I feel dirty as a content marketer doing this. And so then I did another, like, I'm just going to step away for two weeks. And I came back, was like, guys, I'm out and left. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm with you because there's, 
I feel like if someone's going to take the time to engage with your content and actually add value versus like a, like that's great or like an emoji or something. It's like, it adds a different level to it. And like, those are the people that I want to be connected with. Like, I'm never going to be a person that pulls like 50,000 views or a hundred thousand views. Like I think my best post has done like 40,000 at one point. Like that's probably the best that I'll ever get, but I'd rather go for the engagement over anything and like meaningful engagement at that. Well, and I actually posted something about this. I think it was on Instagram where it was last week. I had a post where it had like 310 reactions and 300 comments. Now, obviously that was also my comments in return, but I was like, that's what I love when those numbers are so close together. Because to me, it's like, I'm actually getting people not just scrolling through and hitting a like button, but I'm getting people to actually engage and leave a comment and ask questions and want to add to the conversation. And I was like, I will take 300 reactions and 300 comments over a thousand reactions and 50 comments. Like I would rather have lower reactions and greater engagement than, woo, I feel good because I got a thousand people liked my post. Well, little side note, like what I've noticed too is once you hit a certain point where your content is reaching over like four to 500 uh, reactions every post, that you get this weird dynamic where people are engaging with your content not because necessarily they like your content, but because they like who you're pulling towards your content and they use it as a way to say, I want to be found by the same target market. Like I was talking with Blake Emo on his podcast. I have literally landed work by comments that I have left on Dave Gerhardt's and Justin Welsh's content. Because I left a comment and they pull the same kind of audience that I go after anyways. And people saw that comment and started DMing me. It's like, hey, could you help me with this? Could you help me with that? I was like, I made money and now I'm not going to tell. They might hear this. I don't know. I'm not going to tell them because I don't want to give them a kickback. I, (laughs) I made money on your content when you should be. But it's like once you hit that mark, like when you are a person like Justin Welsh or Dave Gerhardt, People comment, not necessarily because they're like, oh, your content is amazing and nothing against the guys. They put out great content, but it's not because, oh, I learned so much from it. It's more of a, you're pulling a great audience. And if I engage, people will start connecting and engaging with me. Like, and, that, and that's what I see myself when I engage on big people like that. I get a flood of connection requests. I get a flood of people coming to my content because you get seen on a bigger audience. And so there's that weird dynamic of, I kind of like that I'm at this two to 300 level mark because it's people that actually want to engage and not people that are using me to build their own audience in, in that regard. Yeah, that's great. That totally makes sense. So, you know, what kind of led to your belief that it's a bad look for your personal brand to be in a pod? And some of this, so when I put up that post, I had a few people kick back and say like, if no one knows you're in a pod, how does it ruin your brand? And I get that. Like if no one knows you're in a pod, it doesn't ruin your brand. But the second people find out, then it does create this like, oh, you've somehow hijacked or tricked people into following you when they really wouldn't. And I think what happens, like what I love about, so jumping topics a little bit here, what I love about Instagram is they took away, at least on my account, I can't see the like numbers on anyone's post. And so when you engage, you're engaging because you actually like someone's stuff and not because, oh, they've got 10,000 likes. I better like it too. So I fit in. And I have a feeling like if LinkedIn ever did that and took away the reaction numbers, there's a lot of big names that would come crashing down and crashing down hard because their content actually sucks. They're just propped up because they have a hundred people who have agreed to, I will like your post right away so that you get boosted. So more people see you and then more people see you and think, oh, this is good content for LinkedIn. I'm going to like it. When really some of these people, I look at their content, I'm like, I know you're in a pod because that is crap content. Like legit 
breaks all the, and not that you have to follow the rules, but it breaks all the rules of the algorithm. It's poor writing. It's bad copywriting. It's bad content. And you get a thousand likes on it. It's like, you are in a pod. There's no doubt in my mind. That is not an audience that actually likes you. They are, I would say probably half of them have agreed to do it. And so what happens then is when people find out, you get this kind of stain of, you cheated people or your content isn't that great. And so it, especially this is what kills me is I've seen people who are in pods that give away advice on how to grow your content on LinkedIn. Like don't mention that they're in a pod. And it's like, so really what you should be saying, number one piece of advice is join a pod because everything else you don't actually do. You just have those numbers because you're in a pod. And so it's kind of this, like, from a marketing standpoint, if you're a marketer and you see that, like, most of the people that hated when I published that post, most of the people that were like, yeah, pods suck, were marketers. They're like, that is sleazy. That is shady. Like, if you have to, someone even said, and I was like, I'm glad you said it, because if I said it, I would have a crap ton of people cursing me after this. They were like, if you are a content marketer and you have to use a pod, you suck at content and you should look for a different job. And I was like, I thought Sassy Jason was bad. Like, holy crap. I at least pulled it back a little bit and didn't say that. But I, I think in a way that's true. Like if, if you need that boost to get people to want to engage with your content, you don't know how to do content because you should be able to be like a Justin Welsh, be like a Chris Walker, be like a Dave Gerhardt who puts out great content and builds an audience because they actually know what they're talking about, not because they're trying to boost engagement so that they can sell some course or sell sell their services or whatever, but actually are great content marketers and do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's for me, like starting talking about like field marketing, like no one on LinkedIn talks about field marketing. It's kind of like worked for me. And like, I've been able to like branch out from that, but like, I've never been the type of person that will put down like three words. And I know there's people that do it. They put down three words and they get 600, 700 like likes. And it's just like, or they post like a picture with basically like nothing to it. And I don't know. It's just, it's so mind blowing to me. There's two things going on. There is either they were on LinkedIn already when organic reach was like massive. And like, I've been on LinkedIn for two years. And when I joined, it was kind of at this point where organic reach was starting to drop because more people were coming on. So if you were on the platform before then, almost everyone who's been consistent has a great audience, gets a lot of engagement because when they would publish a post before two years ago, everyone, almost everyone on the platform would see it. They had greater organic reach, even when it's suppressed, they were still already at that place where they had a big audience. Now for people, it's a lot harder to get to that level because the organic reach isn't like, it's still great. Like this is LinkedIn. Organic reach is still good, but it's not as good as it was over two years ago where you could come on, you could do a month's worth of posts and see your posts skyrocket because almost everyone on the platform who was active would see it now. So, I mean, guys like Justin, guys like Quentin Ellums, he was on here before. He's got a massive audience because he was doing something unique when hardly anyone was on the platform. So as people joined, he was the big name already because almost everyone on the platform was following him. So when you're already that big name, when people start joining, you stay that big name unless you royally screw up somewhere and so it's either that or they're in a pod (laughs) i mean those are my two things it's like if you can write i had tacos for dinner tonight and you get a thousand likes you're either in a pod or you were a content creator more than two years on linkedin when you were a superstar before everyone joined and you just stayed a superstar you can do whatever you want now It's so true. It's interesting. So I kind of want to bounce back to something else because you've kind of answered a few of the other things that I had going on in my mind. But like, what's the alternative to pods? Like, are there other tactics to use to increase your visibility on LinkedIn posts? Yeah. So for me, it's being more organic with your content. And what I mean by that is I do consultations where I help people get better engagement and really put out better content. And so the two biggest things I, well, 
I guess there's more than two, but I'll go through the list of what I normally tell them. One is you have to create content around one specific topic. And the reason why is content really is a branding exercise. We call it content marketing, but it's really content branding because what's happening is when you scroll through the feed, and this is what I tell my clients, when you scroll, when people scroll through the feed and they see your profile picture, you want one main topic to come into their mind about you. So that when they see you, and, and for me, it's marketing. When you see my picture, I don't care if you know what I do. I want you to know Jason equals marketing. He's going to have something up about marketing because 80% of the content I put out is marketing, branding, content. I do a little bit in sales, a little bit like prospecting stuff, but it's primarily marketing. And so what that's doing is it's building in the back of your brain. This is the solution Jason solves, which is a branding exercise. So find the one topic you want to be known for and make sure it ties to your revenue. For me, it's I make money doing marketing. So I'm going to talk about marketing. Now, most people don't know this, but when I started on LinkedIn, a lot of my content was personal development because I love personal development. I've coached people. I've mentored people. I, I love doing that. But what I want to be known for on LinkedIn is marketing because that's what makes me money. So pick your one thing. Pick pillar content. So for me, marketing, and you know this because you're a marketer, I could write a, a marketing topic every single day for a year and not swing back and talk about something I've already talked about because there's so much in marketing you can talk about. So for me, I picked three main things, branding, strategy, and content. Like, yes, I can do all marketing, but these are the three things that I do and I do extremely well. And so these are the three things that I'm going to hound again and again and again. So pick your one thing, pick pillar content and three, make your content good. Like follow copywriting standards. You don't do three lines for your first intro sentence, you know, do a one sentence intro because it's like a title and it grabs people's attention, gets them want to read. Use spacing. Don't like write all your text and like, oh, it's a giant block. That's a psychological thing. They've done research. This is actually interesting, but they've done psychological research on how we engage with content online. And when you read online, it activates a different part of your brain than if you read in print. And it's harder. That doesn't mean it's hard, but it's harder for us to comprehend what we read online than it is what we read in print. And so if you use bigger, more complex words, if you use paragraphs instead of sentences, it's harder for the brain to comprehend and people just skim or they scroll past. And so do good copywriting. That's kind of the copy side. What most people forget though, is the engagement side. So if you really want your content to take off, you have to be engaging on other people's content. Well, a lot of my clients are like, what, you mean like 10 people a day? I'm like, I do 60 a day. Like, you can do 10 a day, but if you want to see results faster, the more you do, the faster the results will come. So just like you can post once a week, but if you post five times a week, you're going to see results faster. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. If you're seen more, people remember you more. They remember you for a topic more and they engage, they're able to engage with you more, get to know you more. And now all of a sudden you have an audience, but if you do it once a week, it's harder to get that audience built. And so engage, like that's the key that most people forget is engage, 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 and come up with a strategy. Don't just scroll through the feed and be like, oh, that's nice, that's nice. Like find people, I tell people, find the big guys, the Chris Walkers, the people that you can engage with, they're probably never gonna engage back with you on your own content, but you are doing it so other people see you. Hmm, I mentioned that earlier. You're doing it so other people see you. Then find your prospects. If you are selling anything, find your prospects on the platform and engage with their content every day. I have like a list in Evernote. These are the 60 people and I just boom, 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 engage with their content and done. But the biggest part of that list are my prospects. I want to be the face 
that when they are ready for marketing, I have engaged on all their content. I have helped draw people to their content. I've already given them advice. So now when it's time like, hey, I need marketing help, am I going to hit up the guy that sent me a random DM that I don't even know? Or am I going to hit the guy that for the last two months has been engaging on my content and has already helped me and given me advice? It's a sales tactic too, but that's the key is everyone focuses on the create great content and do this, which yes, but you have to equally important is engaging on other people's content. That's how you get found on the platform. Like I can tell you probably 60% of the people that engage on my content, I have at least at one point or another engaged on their content, maybe not regularly, but I've engaged on their content and that's just how you get found. And that's the key most people miss. And so if you don't want to do a pod, I recommend if you're trying to sell anything and grow a business, don't do it. Find people to engage with and be very strategic with who it is. Don't just be like, oh, you're cool. I want to engage with you, but be strategic on a business level. Be strategic on, they have awesome engagement. So I can get awesome engagement if I'm found on their content regularly. That's literally for anyone that was that is listening, was going to listen. That was like probably one of the, the best kind of breakdowns that I've ever heard. So make sure to take your notes. I'm going to probably be like putting that in social posts when this goes live. So I appreciate you sharing that. So I'm going to get away from pods. I feel like we've done it. We've done a good amount there. So I want to talk about Sassy Jason. <laughs> and so Sassy Jason is something you started. I love it because you're not afraid to tell people like it is, like calling out pods, for example. Is it worth creating your own hashtag? Is it something that you did to let people know that you aren't afraid to show your sassy side? Like what made you do it? So I have to be in all honesty and authenticity here. I didn't actually create that hashtag. It was Samir Master. So I had commented on his post or I think I had put up a post and it was kind of what would now be considered a Sassy Jason post. It was a little sassy. And he commented, hashtag Sassy Jason, this is awesome. You need to do this more. And I was like, I am stealing that hashtag and I am running with this. So it was really his idea. And I, anytime anyone asks me, I'm like, if you need a hashtag, you talk to Samir. He like blows it away with coming up with crazy hashtags like that. But so really that's what it was. I had put up kind of a sassy post calling something out and saw that he used that hashtag. And I was like, this is something I really could run with. And so what most people I don't think realize is that sassy Jason actually is me. And even when I do discovery calls with potential clients, I tell them like, if you bring me on, I am not the marketer who's going to be like, okay, that's your idea that we'll run with your idea. I'm going to be the one that says that idea sucks. You hired me for a reason to help you avoid those mistakes. Like that is a mistake. You don't want to do that. And I was sharing this with someone earlier this week and they were like, good. We're not hiring you to make us feel better about ourselves. We're hiring you to help make us better marketers and make us more money. And so if we're doing something stupid, tell us we're doing something stupid. I was like, oh, we're going to have fun together. <laughs> so really what happened was I produce a lot of very practical content. And that's just who I am. I love to teach people. And when I started doing marketing content on LinkedIn, my goal was I want to teach people to do for themselves what they could pay me to do for them. And that's my content strategy on LinkedIn is I'm going to show you how you can do this all yourself. You never have to pay me a dime. But what happens is people realize they don't have the marketing brain. So what takes me five minutes to do takes them three hours. And they're like, I would rather pay the, the specialist to do it than try to figure this out myself. But my content strategy is I'm going to teach you to do everything I do and do it for free. And in reality, that content can be very boring. Like if I'm going to go through, here's the five things for an email newsletter. Who like jumps online and it's like, Man, what I'm looking for today, unless you are starting an email newsletter, no one's like, I want to read about email newsletters or I want to read about how do I write a tagline. Like that content can be boring. Now, it's very that practical content for me makes me a lot of money, but it is kind of boring. 
And I'm a very, I mean, even on this video, you see, I talk with my hands, I get animated, I get excited, and that doesn't come through in the practical content. And so what I started doing was using Sassy Jason as a way to call out bad practices in a way that people would relate to. So instead of being like, here, let me show you why this was a bad move, it's more like, and really some of the first posts were all about, you get a bad sales pitch. I connect with you and instantly I get a sales pitch. And so I did a sassy Jason post on that. And like, people were like, who hasn't had that? Who hasn't had the bad sales pitch? And so it was stuff people could relate to. It was coming from that like sarcastic, annoyed, frustrated, like mindset that everyone is like, yes, I feel the same way. Someone finally said it. And that's the content I do through Sassy Jason is that like, yes, someone finally said it. This is awesome. Like today's post was a LinkedIn guru, which if you have to use the word guru to relate to yourself on LinkedIn or ninja or lion or thought leader, if you have to use that title, you are not that thing. I'm just going to put that out there. There's a sassy Jason quote for you. But like a LinkedIn guru was going around telling people, don't be sassy like Jason is because it doesn't build, it ruins your brand and blah, blah. And I'm like, first of all, I'm a brander. It does not ruin your brand, dude. Like do not talk branding with a brander. Like, you know what you're talking about when you've never done a brand in your life. And he was like, oh, you need to stop doing that because people find it offensive and whatnot. And at the end of the post, I was like, well, sorry, dude, Sassy Jason is here to stay. And you should be excited about that because I'm doing what every LinkedIn guru tells me. I'm being my authentic self. Dude, so many people were like, someone finally said it. Thank you. Like all these crappy gurus saying be authentic. And then they're using pods, which is building an inauthentic audience. They only want you to be authentic if you're authentic the way that they're authentic. You have to share all these sob stories or talk about how you hired a teenager off the street to be the CEO of your company, which no one believes. Like, let's be straight up honest. No one believes that crap. Or I did one post. This was hilarious because some people thought I was actually being honest, where there's been people talking about like, oh, my four-year-old landed a $10,000 deal for me. Bull crap. Okay, bull crap. I've done sales, bull crap. So I did a post about how like I was on the phone and I almost closed a deal. Like I was losing them. They, they were going to say no. And my dog like knocked my phone out of my hand, barked in the phone. And by the time I picked it up, they were like, your dog was awesome. We're going to run with it. And then I did like these dash lines of like, if you believe that crap, this is why people are inauthentic on this platform. I had so many people that were like, I actually thought that was real. I'm like, think about that for a minute. You thought a dog closed a sales deal. Like, what does that say about sales in your head about salespeople <laughs> and your understanding of business? Like, dogs don't close sales deals like that. But that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, as you can see, I got like really animated and excited. That's the kind of stuff that Sassy Jason does is it's, I explained it to someone this way. I'm trying to teach kind of the newbies on LinkedIn to avoid the kind of crap that I got sucked into because no one told me that pods were bad. So I make fun of pods. I make fun of the bad sales scripts. It comes from the, the personality of, yeah, this is frustrating. Everyone hates it. But my goal is that people would see that and be like, mm, I do that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And I actually have had people contact me after those calls or after those posts and be like, okay, so I do that. How do I not do that? Like, what do I do in, in replace? And I've been able to coach people to do better with their content because of those sassy Jason posts that call out. Well, most people are just like, yeah, everyone's had that experience. That sucks, but it's never going to change. And I've had people change because they've seen someone actually call it out in a way that's like funny, but also like the sassy Jason posts usually end with a, here's how to do it better. Like, try it this way. And so it's the, I'm going to capture you with the funny side and then give you the lesson that I normally would do in like a, a practical post that you probably wouldn't read or see. I'm going to give you that lesson in just a very quick, cheeky way so that you actually read the post and get to that lesson. I would love to say that was a mastermind right from the start, but that was Samir like, dude, someone's beating hashtag sassy Jason today. And I was like, that's my hashtag. I'm stealing it. 
He's like, go for it. <laughs> that's, I mean, look, now you're running with it. So that's like, I instantly, whenever I think of that hashtag, I immediately like, I mean, I just could like think of it somewhere. And like, I just put your face and your like, <laughs> name to it. So I mean, kudos to you. So another question for you. So some people say personal brands about adding value. Some say it's being yourself, but this doesn't really offer someone like tactical advice. So what does adding value mean if you're a marketer that's looking to get started? So if you're looking to build a brand and really, I hate that whole, like I was given advice, just add value. And like you said, well, I actually did a sassy Jason post on this, like, okay, add value. That's great. Because anyone on LinkedIn that's taking time to write content is like, I want to write something that's so invaluable. That's so stupid to say, because anyone that's putting out content is hoping that it's valuable. Like, let's just be there. But Really what I found is when it comes to content, the way to add value, there's two things I point people to. If you can educate and you can entertain, that is what people tend to find valuable. And so even just look at the stuff you engage with online. Like you either are on there to watch funny stuff or to watch something that's either funny or intense or scary, like whatever it is you're thinking, like you wanna be entertained. You wanna enjoy your time online or you're online to learn something like you're getting on Google. How do I do this? How do I grow a business? How do I market this? How do I build a brand? Like you're looking for that kind of how to, or you're looking to be entertained. Now, obviously there's some other stuff you might look for in there, but general categories, educate and entertain. So if you can take things that you've done that I tell people this all the time, there are things that are second nature to you that you just know, you don't even have to think about anymore. You just know that's how it is. That for other people is groundbreaking. And so if you could take that like super simple stuff to you and explain it to someone that doesn't understand it, you will provide that elusive value because people are looking for that. I was explaining to, I forget what podcast it was, but I was explaining to someone this, like if you look at my content, my content is not written for other marketers. It is actually pretty basic stuff. Like here's how you build a brand. Here's how you do an email. Like you know this stuff. You're not going to look at my content and necessarily be like, whoa, I've been in marketing for years and I never thought of that. Like it's very basic stuff, but my content is not written to marketers. It's written to the B2B companies that don't have a marketing team, but realize they need a mark. They need marketing. They're trying to do it themselves. They're frustrated. They don't know where to go. And like they've tried implementing some stuff or they've outsourced some stuff and it's not working. And they're just like, this whole marketing thing is way above my head. I don't know what to do. That's who I write to. And so the number one thing you can do, the very first thing while you're starting out with content is figure out. Who are you actually writing for? Know your target market. Like I know my target market well enough to know. I can tell you what content is probably going to do well and what content's going to suck because I know what my target market well enough to say they're going to like this or this is all I got this week. Like I'm busy. I feel drained. Like we all have that. And I know that it'll do okay, but it's not a phenomenal post for them. Sometimes I'm surprised, but for the most part, when you know your target market, you know what they're struggling with, you know what questions they're asking and know your target market. That right there for 90% of people on LinkedIn, if they actually sat down and figured out who am I really trying to reach with my content, their content would go through the roof. Like they would see a massive improvement because they have focused their content on what these specific people are actually looking for. So if you can do that, if you can find a target market and either entertain or educate, or like what I try to do with Sassy Jason, do it both at the same time, that's what's going to really provide value to people. And then the other thing I say is, as people engage on your content or as you're engaging on other people's content, if people ask questions, that's an immediate, I should write content on this. So when my clients ask me a question, like if I'm doing a content consultation with them and they're like, man, what about this? It's like, if you ask that question, there's probably a hundred other people who have never asked me that question. So that's something I need to address. Or when people ask me on my own content or they DM me, it's like, hey, I had this issue this week. Like, 
what should I do here? It's like, if you ask me, there's more people that have that question that just didn't feel courageous enough or just didn't take the time to ask. So educate, entertain. And if you get questions asked to you, turn that into content because that's stuff people are already looking for. So it only makes sense if they're already looking for it, if they're already asking for it, be the one that answers it before they even ask and it'll be valuable. That's kind of the gauge that I've used with my content. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty similar as well and it's worked out well. So for anyone listening, please take that advice. It will only help you in the long run. All right, so I've got something that kind of is a little bit different, not different, it's it's a balance. So, you know, you have over probably, I think it's 28,000 followers right now on LinkedIn. So kudos to your growth. What's your take on LinkedIn, Twitter, which I know you're active on now, Clubhouse, which I know you're a little active on. I was more active at the start, not as much now. Like how does a marketer balance all of these from a personal perspective? Whew, that That's tough. Like... And really, it comes down to knowing yourself and what you can tolerate, what you have time for, what you can really put into. So I use the mindset of anytime a new platform comes out, I jump on it, create an account, one, so I get my name, and two, just because like I work with a lot of different styles of business, and so I need to at least have a basic understanding of how these platforms work. So if someone says hey, this is who I'm marketing to, I can easily say, okay, you're marketing to them, TikTok is the platform for you. You're marketing to them, LinkedIn is the topic, the platform for you. So I try to at least have a basic understanding and that requires jumping on, playing around a little bit. Like if you get on TikTok, I've got some really cringeworthy videos on TikTok that while I was playing around with that platform during lockdowns for COVID, it was like, I got nothing better, dude, I'm gonna make TikToks. So Like I jump on every platform and and I have a presence on just about every platform. But what I do is I pick which ones. So I have platforms I use for business, which is LinkedIn and Twitter. Like those are the platforms that I focus mostly on marketing. I generate business from connect with potential clients, all that. Like, so I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter to make money. Not going to apologize for that. That's what I'm on those platforms for. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not giving out value or I don't help people for free. Like, But ultimately, I'm on those platforms to make money. I'm not there to share my life, and which I mean, I still do, but I'm not there to be like, here's this awesome vacation I took and look at these pictures from the beach. I'm not on there to do that. That's Instagram. Like Instagram for me, I'm on Instagram. I'm kind of active on there, but that's more like, hey, I went for a hike with my dog today. You know, stuff I'm not going to put up on LinkedIn. If you want to see pictures of Buster, Instagram is the place to go see pictures of my dog because he's like primary picture on my Instagram. But so I figure out these are the platforms that I'm on for what? And then I try to make sure I'm balanced with it. So right now I'm not on Instagram a lot. I might scroll through the feed and like stuff, but I'm not I'm not posting a lot of stuff anymore just because I don't have time and it's not a money generating thing. So it's like I could either sit down and read a book or go for a walk or hang out with friends or I can sit and scroll on Instagram. Like, so it's finding that balance of what works for you and finding what, what gives you the return that you want. So that doesn't mean you have to have a business return. But if you're like, for me, I'm on Instagram more for fun. So if it gives me that return of, okay, this was fun. I saw some cool stuff. I saw some creative stuff. That's awesome. Like then great. Then I had an ROI from my time on there. But if you're not really getting an ROI, if it's just sitting there scrolling because you got nothing better to do, that for me is like, okay, I need to limit my time on this platform because I'm just, I'm wasting it. I'm not getting anything from like I'm not getting a return from it and so figure that out like Clubhouse I was like you when it first came out I was on there every day I didn't necessarily do rooms myself but I would jump into a lot and listen and then I realized like I have a job and first of all like I can't be on that stuff when I'm at work so that kind of helped but at night it was like I could either get this proposal out to a client and then go read and like enjoy my night. Or I can sit here and listen to a bunch of people talk about what they think they're experts in when sometimes it's like, dude, that's horrible advice. Like, here's the thing about Club, like I like Clubhouse. Myself, Ned, Eric, and David Riggs, we do a, a revenue roundtable every Saturday where we help people generate more revenue for their business. 
I tell people it's a free consultation. Basically, come with your questions. We'll give you answers from marketing, sales, and operations. Like, we'll basically give you the playbook for free on Revenue Roundtable. That's what it is. But beyond that, I'm not really, I don't jump in rooms anymore because it's like, one, some of the stuff is pretty crappy. Like, I jumped into rooms and I'm like, you call yourself a marketer? Eh, no, no, that's bad. <laughs> or it's just like, it's the same stuff again and again and again. And, and it's like, I don't need more content in my life. I need more doing it. And so finding that balance. Like Now, if Clubhouse is like bringing you in money and connecting you with clients, then by all means, find a way to do it more. But if it's more of just a, Ned Eric actually did a, wonderful post on this. I was like, this is sassy Ned coming out. Like, holy crap, I've started a trend here. He was just like, hey, all you young bucks on Clubhouse, get back to work. Your boss is not paying you to sit on Clubhouse. They're paying you to actually do your job. And you would be far more successful in life if you actually did your work than trying to hit it big on Clubhouse. Like, Let's be honest. I understand eventually Clubhouse is going to find a way to monetize it. And if you're big, then great. But the chances of you being big on Clubhouse is minimal unless you're on there all the time and you are like a unicorn already that brings something that no one else brings. And right now it's a crap ton of marketers on there giving out marketing advice or giving out financial advice. And it's like, I can do it much faster on LinkedIn and just scroll through and hit a bunch of people on I don't know. Like, so for me, it's know yourself, know your limits and stick to it. And I know what Clubhouse did was amazing from a marketing standpoint. They generated so much FOMO. It was ridiculous. Like I knew someone who went out, like he had an Android, went out, got on eBay, bought an an old iPhone just so he could be on Clubhouse. Like what other platform has ever done that? That people are like, I need to go buy a different phone just so I can be on your platform. Doesn't use it for anything else. Doesn't use it as his phone. It's just for Clubhouse. And it's like, they did um, their marketing team, which I know like it was a scrappy marketing. They did amazing by doing it invite only, creating that FOMO that everyone, even people who weren't on it, were talking on LinkedIn and Twitter about it. Like they were brilliant and people had like I would talk to people and you could almost see the anxiety in them of like I have to be on clubhouse I have to be on clubhouse and I'm like are you on crack because like you're acting like an addict right now it's a platform it's not going to revolutionize your life you're not going to go from like I'm a mediocre creator on LinkedIn to I'm the next Gary V on, on Clubhouse. That's not how this kind of crap works. If content, that's not how this works. Yeah, but they did amazing. So the biggest thing I would say, especially with the Clubhouse phenomena really is check your FOMO and just make sure that you aren't responding to something just because you have this fear of everyone else is doing it and I'm being left out. That's a horrible reason to join a, a platform. Like, cause then you are going to get sucked in and you're going to try to get in that rat race of, I got to be big. I got to be big. I got to be like, number one, I got to get a thousand followers and whatnot. And I'm like, this is what's crazy to me on the platform for like an hour a week. I don't even go in and check like who's followed me and stuff until like right before then I jump in there and it's like, I think I have like 400 followers or whatever. And I'm like, I don't even know how I don't do rooms. Like I, I do one room. I don't know how I have that many followers. And there are people I'm connected with people that have like a thousand, 2000, 3000. I'm like, that's awesome. If clubhouse works for you, I'm an introvert. So I do better text-wise or one-on-one this way, but sitting in that room, like I've done a few rooms on my own where it wasn't with Ned and David, and I just feel so awkward because I'm like, I'm not the small talk guy. I'm the, let's jump in and do something deep. I'm not the, hey, how was your day? And oh, that's like, that's not me. That drains the crap out of me. And so for me, what I was noticing with Clubhouse was I would be on it and then I just feel empty afterwards like it wasn't energizing me it was draining me and i'm like i don't like this linkedin energizes me twitter energizes me clubhouse drains me and so it's like i've got to be very careful how much time i spend on this because it will drain the energy out of me and i got other important stuff to do than be on clubhouse and talk to people you know i hear you know that's great advice it's finding the balance it's 
I don't host rooms on there. I jump on and like, I'll end up in these rooms. It's usually, the funny thing is it's usually rooms talking about LinkedIn, like basically how to be an expert on LinkedIn. And it's all the bigger names on LinkedIn. Like they've grown massive followings on like Clubhouse. And it's just, it's all recycled like content that they're basically just saying, like nothing is earth shattering. And so I've definitely cut it back. Like I do like maybe like an hour a week on there. And it's mostly like, Wednesday nights actually at 6 p.m. Jared Robin from Rev Genius hosts like a revenue job. So like I go on because like I try to support the community, but like that's a little bit different than like talking about whatever. Outside of that, like I pop in here and there and it's just, I don't know, not, not as much value for me. I'm like you, like LinkedIn and Twitter, that's where I spend most of my time. I don't know if I don't monetize it, but it's like a side hobby that's interesting to me. So yeah. Cool. So we're coming up on time. I want to be cognizant of that. And so I have kind of like one last question for you that I want to kind of get your insight in. So for a marketer who's never posted a single thing on LinkedIn, what do you suggest they post about for the first time? And then on top of that, what would you give as like a final parting word to to those marketers that are looking to, again, get started? So I would say like the very first thing to post about would be something that you are passionate about. Like don't do what's expected. Don't do like, Oh man, I see Chris Walker posting on this. I see Jason Vanna posting on this. I see Nick Bennett posting on that. Like what are you actually passionate about in regards to like how you want to use LinkedIn? So if you don't have an idea how you want to use LinkedIn, post whatever you want, just post. Like sometimes it's getting past that fear and just putting up the first post and being like, oh, I actually can do this. So post what you want. But if you kind of know, like if you're coming onto LinkedIn as a marketer and saying, I've seen other marketing people have a lot of success here, grow a big following, understand, post something you're passionate about in relationship to marketing. So if you are the brander, post something on branding and come at it from, I hate using this word, Come at it from providing the value, kind of what we talked about earlier, something that entertains or educates, something that you're like, something you've learned, a story about like, hey, I experienced this and this is what I learned. That's the kind of stuff we don't need more regurgitated, here's how to make your content on LinkedIn perform better. We don't need more of that, especially if you're new. You don't know how to make your content do better on LinkedIn. Like I see some of these guys that have been on LinkedIn for like a month and like, here's how you build your audience. I'm like, you don't even have one, dude, shut up. Like figure out what it is that you are passionate about, you are good at, even if you don't feel like you're the expert, like let you in behind the curtain, be authentic, whatever word you wanna use here. I don't feel like I'm the best marketer. Like I look at some of these other guys and I'm like, you blew my mind. That's something I've never done before. I know nothing about that. I'm not the expert, but I know what I know. And I may not even, I may not even be the best brander on the platform. I may not be the best strategist on the platform, but I know what I know. And I'm going to share what I know because there are people that don't know the level that I know. And so there is value there. So even if like I coached a college student, he was a college student, he was in marketing, he had a internship and he was like, I don't know what to pull. Like, he's like, I'm not an expert. I don't have a right to speak. And I was like, you know, marketing better than someone who's never taken a marketing class. You have stuff to share. Don't think because you're not at my level that you have nothing worth of value to share. And so that's what I would say to the newbie. Like you have something worth sharing be unique with it. Don't try to copy my style. Don't try to copy it. Chris Walker or Justin Welsh or Nick Bennett. Like don't try to copy what we're doing. Be unique, be yourself, bring your own experience to the platform and share something like, yeah, I mean, you see me like flailing my arms and getting excited. Share something that like, if we started talking one-on-one, you would be like, oh my gosh, like this is so awesome. I want to share this with you. Like share that for your first thing. Tell us like, what is that? Like for me, in marketing, it is branding, like branding and content, which to me, I know really there, a lot of people seem separate. I see it as the, the same kind of exercise. Like for me, it's the identity. Like I love, this is where the personal development side comes from too, is my greatest passion is helping people find their identity and finding their purpose. Whether that's as an individual, what is your identity? What is your purpose? 
or from a business standpoint. What is your business's identity, which is your brand? And what is your purpose is like, what is your mission? What is your vision? Like, where are you going? And so that's what I'm passionate about. It's why I talk so much about branding and content because I love this idea of helping businesses and helping individuals find their identity. And so I could talk about that. Like, We've been talking for like an hour now. And for me, it's like been five minutes. I could probably go for another two hours and give you like three, four podcasts worth because that's just how excited I am. So find that and make that your first post. And then your second point was like last kind of like final thought, whatever. This is what I would say. And this is not actually a marketing thing. It's more of a a personal thing. Who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing or where you're going. And that's advice that someone gave me, a mentor of mine gave me back in 2009 when I felt like my life was falling apart. Like I was shifting in this direction and that fell, fell through. And then I was like, well, life sucks. I don't know what I'm doing now. And, and kind of in my ramblings and my like, ah, this sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. He said, who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing or where you're going. And so Understand, like, when you do stuff on LinkedIn, when you create content, when you are building a business, it is very easy for your identity to become wrapped up in your performance. So it's very easy to look at LinkedIn and say, I only got 10 likes on my post. I suck at this. Or someone else has built a much more successful business and and I'm struggling. Like, I clearly can't do this. I'm clearly not good enough. Like, we tend to wrap our identity around our performance. And and my biggest thing to say to anyone really, but especially to like these newbie marketers or these people that are new on the platform are like, I want to be big on LinkedIn. Have a different goal than trying to be big because otherwise what happens, and and this is a legit thing that happens to people, their self-worth starts being wrapped up in how many likes they get on a post, which sounds silly. But it happens and I see it happen a lot. And it's why I said in the, the original post that you asked me to be on this podcast that pods are a dopamine hit because let's be honest, it feels good when you post something and you get a lot of likes. It does activate the dopamine in your brain. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I want that more and I want that more and I want that more. And so understand whatever you're doing, it's great. You want to build a business. You want to be a marketer. You want to, you know, grow your career. You want to be known on LinkedIn. Those are great things like pursue them. That's awesome. But understand who you are in the process is far more important than what you're doing. And if you lose sight of that, what happens is, and I see this happen a lot. It started happening to me for a while and, and, kind of pumped the brakes and was like, I try to do kind of a self-evaluation, self-check a few times a year just to make sure that like, I'm not allowing outside factors that shouldn't dictate who I'm becoming to have a voice in, in who I'm becoming. And so figure out who you actually want to become. Define what success looks like to you. For some people, success is, I want a thousand likes on my post. To me, I'm fine with two to 300, really 150 to about 300 likes. That's my sweet spot. I like that level. To me, I don't want to be the 600 likes and only 50 comments. That's great. Some people do, and that's wonderful for them. That's not it for me. And so if you are looking at other people and saying, that's what success looks like, or that's who I should be, you're missing the point. Understand who you're becoming is far more important than what you're doing or where you're going. Focus on that. Build the character that you need because otherwise what happens is, and we've seen this a few times on LinkedIn where someone gets really big and then they just turn into a big douchebag and like no one likes them and they act like my poop doesn't stink because look at how many likes I get on LinkedIn. And it's like, I bet in real life you are a dick. Sorry if I I can't say that on your podcast, but some people are like that. It's like, Who are you becoming? Because eventually what will happen is if you don't develop your character, if you don't develop that sense of this is where I'm finding my worth and this is where I'm finding my value aside from my business, aside from my posts and my success on LinkedIn or Twitter or Clubhouse or wherever it might be. If you don't have that sense of 
this is who I am and this is what drives my self-worth, you will start doing things that you are not proud of. You won't have the character then to stand up when everything goes south. Like, Because here's the thing, with content, with running a business, you will hit a point where you want to give up where everything gets difficult, where there were so many times I wanted to quit on LinkedIn and be like, screw this, too much time, too much effort, don't like it anymore, everyone's a douchebag, I hate everyone. I had a moment when the big algorithm change hit, I had a moment where I went from the two to 300 down to like 45 likes. Like my engagement tanked and I had no idea why. And I was like, deuces like i was ready to quit and someone was like are you really gonna quit because of likes i was like shut up i don't want to hear that you know i lost my headphone (laughs) um understand build who you are becoming that is from a marketing standpoint business standpoint personal standpoint who you are becoming is far more important than what you're doing because if you can build that character success will come It will, because you will have the discipline, you will have the character to stick it through and run with it. But if you don't develop that character, even a little bit of success is going to go to your head. You're going to think like, and I see this a lot on LinkedIn, people who will disagree, which I love disagreements on my posts. People will disagree, but they come at it from the, well, I know what I'm talking about. And it's like, you have two years of marketing experience. I'm not the... I have 18, 20 years, I know better, but it's like, I have 18 to 20 years of experience. I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like to think, well, I know what I'm doing and I know best. Like, I know that. What you're saying, dude, give it 10 years and go talk to your current self and you'll be like, what was I thinking? Not that I'm always right, I'm not saying that, but like, when you have someone who has 20 years experience, they know what they're talking about. I'm not going to walk you through every bit of experience I've ever had to say how I got here, but understand if I'm giving out advice, whether it be on LinkedIn and a call and a podcast, I'm only sharing the stuff that I've gone through myself. I've tested myself. I've wrestled with, I've wanted to give up on, I've tried again. I've hired a professional to help me with it and, and learn it and all that. Like, so understand, like there's a few people actually on LinkedIn who are marketers who all the time are like, Jason, you're wrong. This is how I do it and blah, blah. I'm like, good for you. Come back to me in 10 years when you actually have some real marketing experience under your belt and not to be your first job that you've had as a marketer and think that you know everything because what you're going to find out is it works for your target market, for your industry, for your product. But that doesn't mean it works for everything. Like I could ramble on, but I'll say this one last thing and then I'll be done. I see this a lot, especially from the Gen Zers. And so I'm going to make fun of them a little bit because I'm older than them and I can't love the guy. Like there's a lot of Gen Z marketers on LinkedIn. I love what they do. I support them, love them to death. But a lot of them are like, will say things like you have to be on TikTok," And I'm like, no. Or they're like, print is dead. And it's like, I understand that because for a lot of people it, it is dead. But I actually have a post coming out. It's later this week. It might be tomorrow or or Friday. Or no, it's next week. So it'll be in the past by the time this broadcast. But it was a post on be careful about the marketing advice you take. And whatever advice you take, test it. Because this is the advice I've been given. Print is dead. If you want to be successful, you have to be on TikTok. Digital marketing is The future, like you have to do digital marketing to be successful. You need to have a trimmed down, very basic website to be successful. In my full-time job, I've been there seven years now, built up the marketing from nothing to where it is now, have helped the company generate over $20 million worth of annual revenue through my marketing tactics. Here's what we do. We spend $200,000 a year on print because print in our industry is far more effective than even social media. Like my social media presence for the company is minimal because that industry does not spend time on social media for work and they don't want to see our stuff. But print, there are two magazines that they all read. Like the whole industry, it's almost a religion. I spend $200,000 in print and I get more return from that than anything I do digital. I've spent very little money on digital ads for that company. Our website is over 900 pages. Because it's every piece of equipment we sell 
It's not an e-commerce site, but it's like, hey, we have a slicer. Here's videos of it. Here's this. Like, so people know what we sell and they can ask us about it. Nine, I'm actually redoing the site and we trimmed it down to 600. The new site will be 600 pages. I tried to outsource that sucker and they were like, minimum, you're looking at $75,000 for that website. And the owners of my company were like, you're doing it, Jason. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but like all the, and TikTok, TikTok is not for our industry. Like the decision makers in our industry are like 40s and up. They're barely on it. Now I know older people are on the platform, but our industry is barely on it. I could sink money into that platform. And it'd be money wasted because that's not, some of them don't even know how to respond to email. TikTok is not something they're going to be doing. And so be very careful with the advice you listen to, because if I listen to some of these younger voices coming out saying the old ways are done, this is how you do it. Again, your target market, your industry, your product, it's different. So be careful, focus so I gave you two last bits of advice. Who you're becoming is more important than what you're doing and be careful about the marketing advice, even mine. Take it, it's good advice. I try to give good advice, but take it and test it because just because it's worked for me doesn't mean it's gonna work for you. And that's something that a lot of these newbie marketers, at least the ones that have engaged on my content, they don't understand. They see success doing what they're doing. They're like, you have to do this. And I'm like, come work for me for a day, you're going to realize everything you think is wrong because it's a different market, a different industry and a different product. So yeah, that would be my final, you're going to have to shut me off or I'll keep going. That'll be my final bit of advice is who you're becoming is more important than what you're doing, where you're going and be careful with the marketing advice you take, accept it, test it, and then make your own decisions and move forward with that. I literally love it. This was literally probably one of my favorite conversations. You just, you, you get so hyped up about I everything. I, I love it. And sometimes I have conversations with just like people and like, it's very like monotone and just kind of like relaxed. But like, I feel like how excited you get is authentic to who you are. And like, that's something that I've personally taken away from this is like, we've never had, like, I've obviously seen a bunch of your content, I've seen videos, but like, we've never had like a face-to-face conversation like this. We're on video right now for those who, who don't know. But I want to just kind of like end with one more thing. Where can people go to learn about you and shift if they want to? So the best places would be LinkedIn. I am on there Monday through Friday all the time. Twitter is a good one. My handle is just at Jason Vanna. The other place would be the shift website, which is S-H-F-T, I was trying to be, I was telling Nick, I was trying to be cool, didn't use the I, it sucks, it's shift, S-H-F-T, no I, dot marketing, and there is, the other thing would be there is an email newsletter on there I send out once a week with a lot of, it's my LinkedIn content on steroids, is how I describe it, you get more out of the email newsletter, that's on the website, those would probably be the three best places to connect with me, learn more about me, and shift. Love that. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you for joining us. It was literally one of the best combos I've ever had. Hey, thanks for having me. I love this time. This was awesome. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.